All right, we'll open up the Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Very easy. First page. Verse 1, I'll read to verse 4. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through to 4. I'll be reading from the ESV version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Amen. Uh, welcome. Um, good to see everyone here today. <clears throat> Man, if, I feel like it's getting colder. Um, but I'm, I'm, so I'm glad that you made it and didn't stay home in the comfort and warmth of your home. Um, did anyone get sick after la- last Sunday's barbecue? <laughs> I had stomach aches after last Sunday's barbecue. Um, I, I, bl- I blame Daniel. Um, where is he? He served me my second uh, sausage. He was like, and, and I'm pretty sure that one was poisoned. And so I, I've been KO'd this week. And so, you know, if, if, if I'm a little loud of it, um, it's Daniel's fault. All right, we're continuing our series called Image Bearers. Uh, we've uh, hit the third week of this series, and this series is about you know, learning more about God. Right? Particularly, I, I explained the communicable attributes, uh, the ones that we relate with. And so we're going to learn more about God, and in the process, we're learning more about us, right? who we are uh, as image bearers of God. And so today, we're looking at God is good. God is good. We looked at God is holy. Last week we looked at God is love, and today we're looking at the fact that God is good. In my early years as a Christian, uh, there was a song that we would always sing. Right? We sang this song so many times. And you may know this song. The song is called God is So Good. Do you guys know this song, God is So Good? If, if you don't know this song, uh, that's okay, because you already know it. Right? I've already taught it to you. God is so good. That's how the song basically goes. The song goes, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me, right? There's a little bit at the end. That, that's the song. And we used to sing the song all the time. Right? I don't know if, if you've sung it heaps. We sing it on Sundays. We sing it, you know, we gather to, to meet. We sing it on mission trips, singing at prayer meetings. God is so good. God is so good. Sometimes we'd be like really into the song and you feel like God is at work and we'd, we'd be really daring and we'd change it up and we'd sing, God is so kind. And we're like, whoa. You know, we were like, God is so strong. And we're like, whoa. You know, but, but the song is originally, God is so good. But what does it mean when we sing that? We're saying that so many times. What does it mean when we're saying that God is good? You know, when we talk about God is holy or God is love, I feel like we're pretty much on the same page. We tend to understand what holiness is meant to be. It's just that we don't, like, understand it to the full extent until we see God. We understand what love is, kind of, but we don't really understand it until we see God. And we're like, oh, that's what love is. But when it comes to goodness or what is good... It's divisive. Right? We will disagree on what good is. For example, if I say, what is good food? And I ask that question. What, what, what makes food good? What's good food? We'd be divided. 
Right? We could spend the whole afternoon and we won't come to a unanimous decision on what makes food good. Right? We'd have the meat eaters over in this corner and we'd have the vegetarians over here. We'd have the noodle lovers over there, the people who prefer rice over here. Right? Some of us would be like staunchly adamant. Coriander and licorice is delicious. And there'll be others of us that say, no way, coriander and licorice, you know, that, that, that's from sin. Right? That's a product of the fall. When we go to heaven, there's no coriander, there's no licorice. Right? We're divided. Well, what's good in that case? And you say the same about movies. What, what's a good movie? Oh, it's divisive. What's good artwork? Oh, you know, you get all like technical about that. What makes a good song? Some of us do like fast songs with beats. Some of us do like classical, slow stuff. What is good? It's so subjective. It's so different. And so when we say God is good, the danger is that each one of us will be thinking about something else. We mean something else. God is so good, and we're all seeing God is so good, but we're all thinking of a different thing. And so today I want to talk about this topic, God is good. And we're going to look at the good God and hopefully try to explain a bit, I'll try, what it means when we say God is good. We're going to look at then the good gifts that this good God gives. And then we're going to give some good goals, right? A lot of alliteration. All right, number one, good God. I love what Jen Wilkins points out in a book, uh, in his image, about God's goodness. She says the first explicit mention of God's justice. If you want to find the first explicit mention that God is just, you've got to go all the way to Genesis chapter 18. If you want to find the first explicit mention of God's love, it was such an important aspect, right? You've got to go all the way to Genesis chapter 24. What about God's compassion? You've got to go to Exodus chapter 22. But to find the first explicit mention of God's goodness, you only have to go four verses into the Bible. Right here. Genesis 1 verse 4. Right, the book of Genesis it begins. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. God creates the universe, and he makes it good as a result of his own goodness. And this word good isn't just found here once in Genesis 1. It's found over and over and over again. After every day, after creating, God, it says, God saw that it was good. And after the sixth day, when God creates mankind, God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. Right? Because humanity was the crowning achievement of God's creation. Now when God says it's good... Again, let me ask, by what standard is it good? Who, who says that's, that's good, that that's a good tree? Because we disagree on that. It's not our standard because mankind wasn't created in day one to five. The standard by which God says something is good is himself. You see, this is the first thing we need to understand. God defines what is good. God is the standard by which anything or everything might be good. We might be divided and we might have our subjective um, thoughts on it, 
But if God says it's good, it's good. He determines that. And so if God says licorice is good, it's good, right? I don't know if he has an opinion on that. It says God saw that it was good, right? God is the one who determines and defines what is good. Objectively, good is what God approves of. If God approves of it, it is good. And if God disapproves of it, it is not good. Right? That's what goodness is. And you, you and I may disagree on that. We may disagree, oh, God, you say that's good, but I disagree. But you'd be wrong. Because God determines what is good. Not only does God define good, he is good. He's perfectly good. Perfectly good. You know, just to clarify, when we say God is good, we don't mean he is you know, better than bad, but not as good as very good. You know, that's kind of how we sometimes use the word good. I ask Ruben, hey, how's the dinner I made you? And he says, uh, it's good. And what he means is, it's not, not very good. It's edible. That's not what we mean when we say God is good. In fact, we, we mean the opposite of that. If you look in Luke chapter 18, Jesus meets the rich young ruler. And the ruler asks him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says this. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, Jesus isn't, by the way, denying his good. He's kind of like doing a little tricky thing here. He's merely affirming this truth. God alone is good. Now, the perceptive reader would know Jesus is God, and so he's good. But he's saying God alone is good. You see, no one and nothing else in all of creation is good like God. Perfectly good like God. Jesus sets God's goodness apart from everything else in creation. You know, we sometimes are good. We sometimes do good, but we're not perfectly good like God. God's goodness is a perfect goodness. God alone is good like that. You know, Wayne Grudem in his Systematic Theology book, this is how it defines God's goodness. He says the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good And all that God is and does is worthy of approval. You know, the tricky thing about this topic, like trying to explain goodness is, it's like God is good. And because God is good, he gets to decide what is good. Um, But if you're trying to explain what good is, well, you go to God because God is good. He, He defines good. And like, it's hard to explain. Like, um... Maybe this helps. Until 2011, the standard of what one kilogram was, was like this metal, shiny, shiny metal thing that was uh, like 12 meters underground. You had needed three keys to access this room. It's like this block of metal. And they said, this is one kilogram. They've changed it after 2011. But you'd be like, this metal block is one kilogram. And one kilogram, if you're like, well, what's one kilogram? You'd be like, it's this metal block is, is one kilogram. Like that metal block is the definition and the standard of what one kilogram would be. Right? And so this is one kilogram, but if I try to explain to you what one kilogram is, I'd say, well, well, it's that. And that's the same with God. God is good, but if I try to explain what goodness is, I'd be like, well, well good is God. 
But God is good and good is God because he's the definition. He's the standard by which how we understand what goodness is. I feel like I confused you even more with that analogy. God is good. He's the final standard, Grudem says, of good, which is why he defines what good is. But on top of that, he says, all that God is and all that God does is worthy of approval. When we look at God, we should never be able to disapprove of who he is. Everything about him is worthy of approval. In that sense, he's good. He's perfectly good. And all that he does is worthy of approval. We, we, sh- we can never say when God does things in our lives, say, oh, I don't like that. That's wrong. No, no, God is always right. He's always good in that sense. He never makes mistakes. And so here we feel like goodness is, is now bleeding into his perfection. That is how good God is. He is so good. He is perfectly good. You know, other gods like uh, in, in history or mythology, the Greek gods or the Egyptian gods or the gods in the Marvel movies, but they're not like that. They're not perfectly good. Right? They, they, they make mistakes. Right? They can improve. Right. Thor should have aimed for the head, right? Not not the chest, or aimed for the arm. Okay, you guys didn't get that joke. But he made a mistake. Okay. God is perfect, but not only is he perfectly good, he's persistently good. To be perfectly good means that you, you can never improve, you can never change. If God were to be better, or you know, you know, be a better God tomorrow. That means today he's not perfect, and therefore he's not a perfectly good God. If God were to be not as good tomorrow, well, then tomorrow he's not a perfectly good God, and and that's not our God. God is not only perfectly good, he's persistently good. He's never changing in his goodness. Again, unlike all these other gods, like Thor, who, you know, in the new movie is working out, and he's got bigger arms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. God is so consistent. He's unchanging in his goodness to us. He's not any more good or less good to you tomorrow. God is simply perfectly and persistently good. And this is our God. God is good. And God is the standard of good. He defines what good is. And everything about him and everything that he does is worthy of approval. And this should be comfort to us. We should be relieved of the fact that God is good. You know, Jen Wilkins points out the implications of what God's goodness means to us. She says that God's goodness is the reason his omnipotence, right, his power, his omniscience, his knowledge, and his sovereignty, his control, are a comfort instead of a terror. You see, it's because he is good, all of his attributes give us comfort. Because if you have a God who is powerful and strong and he knows all things, but he's not good, well, you should be scared. Because his power and his knowledge may not be used for our good. But the fact that God is good should help us sleep at night. Because it means that not only is he good, but he does good toward us as well. Perfectly, persistently good. God is good all the time. That is our God. We have a good God. 
But closely connected to this is his good gifts. Because God is good, a natural result of a good God is that he gives good to people like us. Now, two weeks ago when I talked about the holiness of God, I said it's hard to you know, just take one attribute and be like, let's just talk about this one. Because they, they feed into each other. Um, like, like if I were to talk about like a, a friend, and I'm like, their the kindness would bleed into their selflessness, would bleed into their generosity, right? Like all these attributes are melded together. And so as we talk about God's goodness, it's going to flow into other attributes, some of which we'll talk about or we have talked about. Wayne Grudem, he says this. This is how he, he sees the goodness of God show up in his other attributes. He says God's mercy is his goodness towards those in distress. His grace is his goodness towards those who deserve any punishment. And his patience is his goodness towards those who continue to sin over a period of time. Now, I, I might define mercy and grace a little differently uh, than he does here. But the point is that God's goodness shows up in all these kinds of ways. You know, in our life, God's goodness shows up in what we call uh, common grace. This is God's goodness showing up to everyone, regardless of if you're a believer or a non-believer or you hate God, God is, is good to you. I want to point out two ways that God is good to us. Right. This Psalm 145, it talks about how God is good to us. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. It doesn't matter if you believe God and love God or you hate God, God's good to all. Right? This is what we call common grace. James says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from the Father above. Right? So everything good that you have is a product of God. And that's his goodness. But let me point out two specific things. Number one, daily life. When I say daily life, I mean the fact that you are alive today. It's because God is good. Not just today, but this hour, this moment, this second, is God's goodness to you. The Bible says that when we sin, we deserve to die. Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death. And so if we forget the fact that we were born as sinners... The first time we sinned, we should have died. But the fact that this world is still spinning, while still sinning, and it's sinning and yet still spinning, is God's goodness. The fact that God hasn't just poured out his wrath on us right now is God's goodness. He is restraining his anger. He's withholding his judgment for a later time. God's goodness is showing up right now in this moment in grace, mercy, and patience. This life, right now that you enjoy, this moment, the fact that we get to talk about God's goodness is a testimony to God's goodness. Have you ever thought about that? It's amazing that we're here, that we're breathing, that I'm speaking, that you're listening when we're talking about God's goodness, God is being good right now. Psalm 73, Psalm 78, it talks about God's restraint toward Israel's sins, which is true for us. It says, yet God 
be compassionate, atoned for their iniquity, and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. Or Isaiah chapter 48. God says, for my own namesake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. If God did not withhold his anger, we would be destroyed completely for our sins. God is so good, even right now. In every moment of every day that we live is a testimony to the goodness of God. The fact that you're here right now should make us say, God is good. The fact that this world still exists with people who live in rebellion against God, we should say God is good. Daily life. The second one, your daily joy. I love what Acts chapter 14 says. It says, yet God did not leave himself without witness, for he did good. This is God's goodness. He did good by giving you rains from heaven, and fruitful seasons. And so God's goodness is showing up in provision, right? I'm, I'm not focusing on that aspect. Satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Satisfying your hearts with food. Have you ever like eaten a meal where you're like, oh, this is so good? And it makes you happy and satisfies your heart. Like, I'm not a, a foodie, by the way. My, my wife loves food, and sometimes she reads menus. And she, so, so, sorry. She reads menus, and she gets so excited. She's like, she, she reads the whole menu to me, like, like emphasizing certain words, and she gets so excited about it. I'm like, I'll just get the chicken. Uh, and sometimes she eats food, and she loves it. And, and that's God's goodness to us. When we eat a delicious meal, it's, it's God's goodness, because he, he didn't make us in a mundane world. Right? He didn't just make us in a world that's black and white, where everything tastes like chicken, like in The Matrix. Have you seen the movie? Like where everything tastes the same, where there's only one type of vegetable and one type of meat and one type of soup. He could have done that. If God allowed us to live that life, he'd still be good because of daily life. We don't deserve life. But not only does God allow us to live life, But in this life, we get like a a smorgasbord of experiences. And there's like hundreds of vegetables and different kinds of meat. And you can put them together in different kinds of combinations and cook them in different kinds of ways. You can can burn burn them or put them in the oven or sous vide them. And you know, I don't know. I'm not a cook. I don't know. But there's all these different ways. And there's now an infinity, an infinite number of different foods that we can eat. Isn't that incredible? And our taste buds have, I think, 4,000 different taste receptors in it. Solely for the purpose that we could taste food. How good is God? That we get to enjoy food like that. KFC. Mm. After I spoke about KFC like a month ago, all I think about is KFC. God is so good. We get to eat we get to drink, we get to laugh, we get to have fun with our friends and build memories. We get to go on experiences. We get to create things and feel the joy of making things and accomplishing things. We get to be challenged. We get to grow. We have hobbies. 
We play sports, right? The, if the finals are on, the finals is on with the NBA. That's so exciting to watch. Don't watch it now. Though. We get to paint. We get to parachute and jump out of planes. Isn't that incredible? We get to swim in the ocean. We live in a beautiful world. That's God's goodness. When we look at the sun or the stars, that's God's goodness. The fascinating creatures in this world, that's God's goodness. Sometimes Reuben like opens up books and he explains to me these creatures. I'm like, no way. That's God's goodness. There are lizards that run on water. Right? They, they call it the Jesus lizard because it walks on water. Incredible. God's goodness. But here's the thing. That's not even the start of it. Because all these things, the daily joys and our daily life, are not meant to terminate there. They really point to something better. They point to a better gift that God has for us. You see, our daily joys is meant to point to eternal joy. And as great as the joys in this world are, as great as food and the sights that we see and the experiences that we have, it does not compare to what heaven will be like. The eternal joy that we will have being with God in eternity in heaven. Despite this world's beauty, it is still broken, it's imperfect, it's marred by sin. The best we can find in this world does not compare to the least that we will find in heaven. How amazing is that? How good is God? That he doesn't just allow us to enjoy good things here, but he's got for us far better joys that we can find in him. All the good that we experience in this world should make us yearn for the better good that we will have in the new heavens and the new earth. Not only do our daily joys point to an eternal joy, but our daily life points to an eternal life. God is not only good that he allows us to live for this moment, but God has also offered to us a life that will never end in Jesus Christ. This is a life where God no longer has to restrain his anger because his anger has been satisfied in his son. And really, his restraint of his anger today is so that we might have that eternal life. This is what Peter says. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but God is patient towards you. Now, Peter's talking about God being patient in sending Jesus to judge the world. God is patient to you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is delaying his judgment even now and not sending his son so that people might turn to him and have eternal life. We might have daily joy in daily life right now, but we also get eternal joy and eternal life. And that's possible because of God's greatest gift. God is a good God who gives good gifts, but his greatest gift is Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life with eternal joy through God's greatest gift. God's goodness is seen most clearly and most beautifully in Jesus, that God would send his son into this world, and Jesus would be born into this broken world. And as Jesus lived, he lived the life you and I should live, but we failed to live. 
the perfect life, the sinless life, the good life. And then Jesus would die the death, you and I should die, but we no longer need to die the sinner's death. Jesus, on the cross, he took our sin, he took the Father's wrath, judgment, anger, and he was punished in our place. And then he rose from the dead to show that he truly has done away with death and sin. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. So that if you put your trust in him and you turn from your old way of living, you will be saved. You will have eternal joy and eternal life through God's greatest gift. This is how good God is. This moment is a testimony to how good God is. All the joy you have is a testimony to how good God is. And yet, there's more waiting for us in Christ Jesus. How good is our God? God is good. He is so good to us. So let me end by giving you some good goals. Really try to make this alliterate here. (laughs) I've got three challenges for us. These also alliterate. Number one, be grateful. You know, the first and proper response to the goodness of God is to be grateful, is to be thankful, is to tell him thank you, to sing to him and praise him in thanksgiving. You know, you see this all throughout the Bible where people respond to God's goodness with thanksgiving and praise. I just chose two passages, Ezra chapter 3. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. Or Psalm 106, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And you can find this similar phrase kind of throughout the Bible. This is, doesn't include the praise we should give for his goodness that shows up in mercy, grace, Patience, etc. Right? There's all these passages that talk about that. But whenever you and I experience daily joys in this daily life, every time we wake up, we should respond in thanksgiving to God. Every time you eat something amazing, I don't know if you've done that. Sometimes I eat something and, and I, I actually say, Thank you, God. You made me with a tongue and these taste buds and this food and these ingredients. That's the proper response. When we appreciate God's goodness, we should give God thanks and gratitude for eternal life and eternal joy for his son. But not only when things are good, but especially when things aren't good. You know, because God is good, we can trust in passages like this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, when things work together for good, again, we don't define what good is. God defines what's good. But if God is truly good, we can believe passages like this. We are assured and comforted that a good God will bring about good in my life. And so even when things are difficult, we can be grateful because God is good and he's working out good for us. Not only should we be grateful, we should be generous. As image bearers of God, as we consider a God who has been so generously good to us, we are to imitate that and be generously good to other people. 
In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. What Jesus is saying is, as a child of God, be like God. Be like your father. And your father is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Right? Again, even in this moment, in this moment, in our lives, he's been kind for allowing us to live. And so, be like that. Love your enemies. Do good. Right? Lend generously, he says. Or Hebrews, it says this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. A part of being good is to be generous, just as God is good and he is generous in his gifts to us. If you want to take this a step further, for the Christian, you know, when we realize God is not just good to me for my sake, but God is good to me with good gifts for the sake of others, right? It helps us to be generous like that. You know, God has given you so much as a Christian, but it's not meant to end with you. It's meant to go through you to other people. Your gifts and your finances, your opportunities. Again, we are people who have daily joys in daily life, but we now also have eternal joy in eternal life. And that is far better than this, the daily things. We can let go of these daily things, the things of now, the things, because I have something far better waiting for me. And because I have that, I'm able to be generous, right, with my time, with my gifts, with my money, with my skills, with my opportunities. That is a Christian, right? We are blessed to be a blessing, to be generous. And third and last, be good. Be good. This is similar to what I said in the holiness sermon. Be morally good. Matthew 5, it says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. A part of us being perfect like God is to be good. You know, sometimes if we're going somewhere or people are coming over, I might, um, we might say to Reuben, Reuben, be a good boy, please. <laughs> Zoe, be a good girl. Be good. What do we mean by that? We mean do what we approve of. Right? Do what we like. Don't do the things we don't like, don't approve of. Even if you disagree with us, not now. Just do what we approve of. And that's the same with us as Christians. Our Heavenly Father tells us, be good as I am good. That's what He wants from us. But not only that, to be good means to do what God approves of. I said right at the start, we might disagree on what good is, but God is the definition of good. Good is what God approves of. And so to be good Christians is to be and do what God approves of. The world has its opinion on what is good and what is not good in terms of how you should think, right? Constantly, since you know, the creation of the church, 
It's been battling the, the culture and the, the, the world outside of it, trying to encroach into the church. Right now, you know, there are hot topics of, I don't know, um, in the past it was like same-sex marriage. Right now it's, it's, it's other topics. Um, and the world says, you know, this is what is good and this is how you should think. But God gets to define what is good and what is right. The world says this is how you should live and this is what you can do. Oh, don't worry about that. That's not that bad. Everyone does that. God gets to define what is good and how we should live, what is right and what is wrong. For the believer, what is good is determined not by the opinions of the world, but by the truth that we find in the word. The word tells us what is good and what is right. Good is what God says is good. So we submit to that. We accept that. We live by that. In our beliefs, in our passions, in our actions, no matter how unpopular it seems to the culture around us, no matter how much you know, people make fun of us and look down on us and call us bigots and think that, think that you know, we're not loving, God determines what is good. And so we are to be good as he determines it. And the hope is that as we are good, as our Father is good, it doesn't just give God glory. The hope is that it will be good for the people around us. And I'm just going to end with this verse, Matthew 5, 14. Jesus says, and this is speaking to you, if you are a Christian here, you're a disciple of Christ. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we are good. And this good works doesn't mean we got A's in our exam. This good works means live as God desires us to live. The desire is it doesn't just give God glory, but the people will see something different in us. That we will shine in the dark world that we live in, and maybe not everyone, but some will be attracted by it. And they would say, what is that? Why are you different? And that through that process, they will meet Christ, and they will give God glory. And so be good for God's glory and for the salvation of others. Let me conclude. We have a good God, perfectly, persistently good. All that he is, all that he does is worthy of approval. And this good God has given us good gifts. Daily life is a gift. Our daily joys is a gift. And yet he gives us more. He gives us eternal life and eternal joy in his greatest gift, Jesus Christ. Most of all, we get to know Jesus. That is the gift of all. And so the good goals for you is be grateful for God is good. Be generous since God is good and be good like God is good. All right, let's close our eyes and let's pray. As we pray, I'm going to invite us to pray for two things. And the first is gratitude. Why don't we give thanks to God? Let's give God thanks, for he has been good to us. 
Let's stir up gratitude in our hearts and give God the praise that He deserves for them. Well, the second one is that I want to challenge you to commit yourself to either be generous or be good in your life. And I don't know what it is, but maybe pick one. Maybe that you might be generously good as God has been good to you. To not hold on to the things of the world as much because you have eternal things to give up the things you have today in this world. Or maybe it is to be to be good like God, according to His standards. To turn away from certain sins. To commit yourself to do things that you know that God approves of. This doesn't make us loved by God, but it does honor and please Him. And so let's turn to Him in thanksgiving and also commit ourselves to be generous or good. Let's spend some time in prayer. Let's pray.